Hosts Elle and Miriam are two Black homeschooling moms embarking on a self-defining journey. Listen in on conversations that will encourage you to be your authentic self while uplifting your spirit and motivating your inherent potential. They're defining what culture is for their families and want you to do the same. Bring your children along too so they can meet the cleverly cultured kids. They're all for teaching the babies while they're young, adapting to the challenges of parenting, homeschooling, and being willing to learn the lessons that the children have to offer. It's all about uplifting one another and reclaiming your innate greatness. Welcome to another Cleverly Changing Podcast. We are so grateful that you have been tuning in since 2019 to learn more about African-American families and how they homeschool and supplement their child's education. We will continue this podcast as long as possible, but if you want to help us keep it going, please remember to tell a friend and also support us. Purchase some of our hoodies, t-shirts, sweatshirts, pillows, and more. You can visit our show notes page at cleverlychanging.com. Click on the shops tab to support our mission on bringing this podcast to you and those in our community. Which continent has the largest families? Studies show that African families have 4.5 children on average, while in Asia, they have an average of 2.1 children, in Latin America, 2.0, in North America, 1.9, and in Europe, 1.6, making African families larger than any other place in the world. Visit our show notes page and click on the link to learn more so that you can explore those facts with your children. Today's African proverb is, no matter how big an eye is, two eyes are better than one. And that is a Yoruba proverb. Today we will be speaking to Regina Coley. Regina Coley is a mompreneur, a homeschooler, the motivate her educator and cultivator. It's her business to help women lead and create change in their communities using powerful and purposeful educational programs. As a proud mother of eight lovely children, she and her husband are homeschooling all but one of their children. Listen in as she gives us the scoop on how her family does homeschooling and what summer education looks like for them. In this episode, we'll chat about a lot of different things. So definitely tell a friend and subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or any of the other podcast platforms. We look forward to having you as a subscriber. It's now time for the word of the episode. Today's word of the episode is brought to you by Yoruba Land. Duro. Duro. Duro means wait in Yoruba. Welcome to another Cleverly Changing Podcast. We are here for an exciting show. We are talking about the summer, but before we get into the conversation, I am one of your hosts. I am Elle Cole. I am a mom of twins, two daughters who are 13, and 
I homeschooled them for seven years. And now we have a conversation that really speaks to how different families homeschool or how they are supplementing their child's education. I have my co-host here. Miriam, can you introduce yourself for the guest, please? Hey, y'all, it's Miriam. I am, um, what am I supposed to be saying? Who I am, yes, I'm sorry. I'm Miriam, and I have four young ones in my care. My oldest is has been was homeschooled for about five years, and she has returned back to traditional school. And the other three have never been to traditional school, and they are being homeschooled currently. I'm a writer and an editor and an urban farmer. And today, as we get ready to start moving into the spring season, I mean, excuse me, I said spring. As we're getting ready to move into the summer season and the children are to get out of school, we're going to be speaking with Miss Regina about tackling the summer blues. Miss Regina, would you care to introduce yourself for our listeners, please? Absolutely. Hi, everyone. My name is Regina Coley. I am a homeschooling mompreneur of eight. We have been homeschooling for about five years, consecutively about the last three years. And I love being able to be able to educate my children at home and supplement for the one who's not actually homeschooling um, with some fun activities in the evenings and weekends. Wow, that's quite a number eight. So tell us, what are your children's ages? Sure. So I have a 14-year-old, 12, 8, 6, 5, 4, 1, and 2 months. <laughs> wow. It's like the numbers are very consecutive. So that <laughs> is awesome. Yes, they are a blessing. <laughs> Yes, so I'm I'm so curious with an, a large um, family, was it easy to um, come up with the decision to homeschool? How did that really get started? Were you pushed into it? Tell us about it. So initially, um, when I had my first daughter and she was getting ready to go to kindergarten, I wanted to homeschool her. I'd heard enough about it. I'd seen families do it successfully, especially um, living in the South. They were able to, I think, just have greater gains. And so it was on my heart to homeschool. I had discussed it with my husband, who was not on the same page with me about it. I think he grew up thinking that homeschoolers were, you know, the quiet, reserved families. And he didn't know much about it. Um, but I knew that that was what I wanted to do. And as the educator in the family, I went on ahead and enrolled her into um, the K-12 program and the books and materials came. We actually did get to homeschool, I would say that summer, because there was a summer component to it. Um, but when fall came, we had to come up with the mutual decision to enroll her into school. Um, for me, homeschooling has always just felt like um, an unreasonable timeline for children. It is very structured and systematic, and it was just something that I didn't feel was adequate for my child. At five years old, she just felt so small to me, and the public school was just moving so quickly. Everybody was rushing down the halls, the bell was ringing, and I felt like, you know, we were just another face or another name, and I didn't want that experience for her, um, although it ended up being her experience. Uh, she loved school. <laughs> always has. And then as the more children were added to our family, um, that desire just reemerged and I just continued to want to do it. But I kept trying to figure out how I could do it. How would I be able to comfortably stay at home um, and have enough money to support our family? Because we do have quite a bit of children. Um, so I know for a couple of different reasons, we had to stop homeschooling and I had to return to work and back and forth. And after the pandemic or during the pandemic, should I say, I was teaching at a school and with us being at home, um, I can kind of hear how some of the people were talking to my children on the computer. And I was looking more at the work that they were doing, how they functioned as a school. And that desire just came back. So we can do you know, so much better together as a family. We can travel together once things open back up. And it was just that nudge again. And I felt um, prompted to withdraw everybody from school again and homeschool and be 
have and have not looked back since. Wow. I think that was really just a lot to unpack. I think what you mentioned mm -hmm. about your question. husband, your mm -hmm. husband not being on the same page at first, just because, you know, mm -hmm. for a lot of us, those homeschool kids looked weird and acted weird when yeah, we were young. Yeah. So it was a very <laughs> different time. It yeah. was. And I think that I think that was even one of his sentiments. It was like those weird homeschool kids. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I was like, I honestly, I grew up, I didn't know any homeschool kids. So I didn't know anybody to even compare it to. My only vision of homeschool was that of a parent. I didn't know it from any childlike perspective. Right. And I think now when we see homeschooling, it's completely different than the past. Oh, yeah. Because with social media, people are doing amazing things like traveling. Mm -hmm, right. Their kids are thriving. Like you see these amazing stories about a family of, you know, six. They're all in college and they're like teens. Like <laughs> you see these really yes, crazy right. stories. <laughs> So I yeah, think long gone are the days of the <laughs> religious fanatics and I shouldn't say long gone, but you know what I'm saying? The only homeschool kids I knew growing up, their parents were super duper legit and religious and were super duper, you know, shame, shame. <laughs> and they were very um interesting children. I'm gonna shy away from using the word weird. But they were definitely <laughs> different and kind of other from the rest of us because, I mean, they didn't even, it almost seemed like they didn't want to interact with us, like something was going to happen if they did. But I totally get the argument for not doing it. And you did mention that you um, have a background as an educator. So I'm curious as to how that was how you were able to leverage that with your husband in terms of pulling him into, yes, let's go for it. Or are we still kind of half, half with it? I think that he's going with the flow now, but it's still one of those things where he's had such a good time at school. I think he sees it mm -hmm. as they're missing out on this wonderful social time that he was able to experience and I understand it that's why my oldest is back at school she's my social mm -hmm. butterfly and everything was about friendships and children her age and participating in a lot of activities that she naturally wanted to do and as the oldest I think I saw something in her where I felt like she would do better at school um, than at home but whereas my other kids they were newer to it when they were younger so it, it still felt like this is the only thing I know. So we're doing this together. Um, but I think for him, he had to actually be able to see what we were doing. I think his perception of it, because he was at work, was that you know, we're isolated and, you know, heaven knows what oh. we're sitting at home doing. But there have <laughs> been some times where he's been off and at home and can see like, you know, they have this portion of the day where they're working on this, and then we go outside and we do activities. There might be times to go to the library. Um, there have been times that we just recently, like two weeks ago, got to travel um, out of town to a homeschool convention. So he got an, a chance to be a real homeschool oh. dad this time. So I think it was like, you know, <laughs> we're having fun. We can do this. And I think it's finally like starting to get that buy-in. But um, just trying to share, like right now I'm finishing um, my dissertation is actually on um, African-American families, motivation and decision to homeschool. So it's like every time I oh find my. something, I'm like, babe, look at this. These families are, you know, <laughs> like trying to throw the research out there, <laughs> trying to share everything that I'm learning. Um, and it's it's validation for me, too, because as an educator, I'm, I am thinking, like, what can I give them? What curriculum is going to be best? What are the social activities? I'm thinking as a, you know, the holistic version of a child. What what are all mm -hmm. the things that they need to thrive? And so I think um, having that background knowledge of just, I'm not just teaching. We're also looking for just how do we learn in general and where are the opportunities for us to do that? And kind of sharing my perspective on actually what learning is was really helpful. It's not just the schooling part of it, but it's the learning piece. 
Oh, wow. That was beautiful. And I, I want to just kind of say that for many families who are thinking about homeschooling, both parents aren't always on the same page. And I like how you're using your career, your education, and what you plan to do in the future are just your experience with doing your dissertation to kind of share that experience with him. And I think that has been very important to kind of bring up because when I was homeschooling my kids, I would use our portfolio time because in the Maryland area, you have to present a portfolio twice a year to the state to show that your child is receiving consistent um, education. And so for me, even though I was doing those portfolios for the state to, you know, to show what I had been teaching my kids, it gave me an opportunity to include my husband. So he would grade papers, he would see what they were doing, and he would even, it would give him an opportunity to see what they needed to work on so that he could also help prepare them. And I think finding a way to include your spouse is important. Not just trying to do everything on your own, even if the person may not be 100% on board, them taking part in the process can really just help things, even in that, um, you know, the way he talks about it around the kids, because I think that makes a difference mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It does. They listen to everything. And I even have to tell my oldest sometimes, she comes home and she's so excited about something that has happened in her day. And now my second, well, he's my oldest son, but my second born son, now he's kind of like, I think I really want to go back to school because she comes home and she's so you know, excited. They're, they're actually building a new school that she's getting ready to step into next year. So there's a lot of excitement and buzz that she brings home. But that conversation, when, when the other children hear that, it's kind of like, well, she's got something going on. And I'm trying to like, you know, right. make sure that I'm keeping homeschooling fun so it's not like we're doing this boring thing and she gets to go to fun school so I think the language and your attitude about it definitely makes a huge difference um, on their perception of homeschooling too yes it yeah, sounds I like a to that struggle <laughs> I, I can relate <laughs> to that struggle that's how it is in my house when my oldest daughter comes home and they're kind of looking like hmm <laughs> they want yeah. It's a little bit of FOMO, the fear of missing out. And I think we all have that somewhat because even me as a homeschooler, when I would see like at the beginning of the school year where everybody takes the first day of school pictures or graduation time and everybody's dressed up in their cap and gown, I, I would feel like, man, you know, I wish I would see my kids. And of course you could do it for yourself, but um, mm -hmm. I wasn't buying gowns for my kids and making, you know, putting the little cap and gown and doing the pictures and having a yearbook. I wasn't doing that. And so when I would see it from my friends, it was like, oh, you know, so I think that both children can experience that and parents. So I, I want us to get into this conversation about what you guys do over the summer. I know that um, for many homeschooling families, summertime kind of varies. It's really just wide open as to what people do. And with you having eight <clears throat> children, what have you all chosen to do for your summers? Um, last summer, I got really organized and decided to host my own like Coley camp is what we called it. <laughs> so I sat down and each day was like something different. Like we did water Wednesdays and I just picked the different I looked at the calendar for the months of like June and July because that's when it's technically considered our summer. And each Wednesday picked a different activity. Like we're going to the splash pad. This um, sun, this Wednesday, we're going to the pool. The next one, there's a water park that's like an hour from here. We're going out there to go check that out. Like trying to make sure that we were diversifying our activities. The movie theater was open. They had like the dollar movies. The same things that you would do in a summer camp that would make a summer camp appealing. Um, I was able to do at home and not have to pay the summer camp fee because that can get pretty pricey with as many children as we have. So the summer can be a time of exploration. We also included like there's a couple of camps that are here, like there's a military base that offers a STEM camp um, and it was free and it's for it was for a week. My son was interested in it and still is interested in STEM activities and engineering. So we were able to find that. 
um, camp for him. And I know that this summer, the other kids remember him going there last summer and have now requested, I, I, everybody's requesting, is there going to be a camp for me? Is there something for me? So I've literally spent the last couple of um, months just actively looking at what we have available in the community, starting first with free, because there were so many free opportunities. Like um, there was a, a, a version of the Girl Scout camp that was free to kids who've never had a camp experience before. And so we signed up for that. There was a camp that my oldest daughter went to that was a sleepaway camp. And it was also for a week where they um, get into agriculture and STEM and all of these fun things that they had planned out. And now my, my son is of age, so I signed them up for that. So there isn't anything that we're doing where they have to be somewhere every single day, Monday through Friday, nine to three or whatever hours of summer camp. But if there are opportunities where there's like, there's the three day thing here, we have our, um, our camp, our summer blast is at our church. It's like their youth summer camp. So they're going to that too. That's another thing they can do for the days. And I just want to make sure that they have time to meet and see other children and do something that's going to put a smile on their face. That's not necessarily all academic, but some kind of something that's fun. Um, and I think that that's what I, in my mind, I'm like, summers are for fun. So that's what we are kind of focusing on um, this summer. So it's a bit um, patched together, but we're just looking for those opportunities where they can really jump into some interest-based learning, but also getting back out and, and just having some really fun memories together as a family. That sounds incredible. You said that you googled or you went online to find some of those free opportunities for the mm -hmm. family that is new to all of this and they're like ah, you know i've been homeschooling my kids i just haven't figured out how to put them in a summer camp because it's too expensive what would they google what would you suggest that they put into the search engine to find something in their area um so I would start with at least like free summer camps or summer activities for families. So sometimes it's listed under that too. But if your child knows specifically what they're interested in, like I knew my son was interested in STEM, then I could add that extra keyword of free STEM activities or STEM activities for middle schoolers. Um, try to get really specific in terms of what their interests are and what their age group is, because that'll help to pull up those exact activities. And even if you don't know exactly what they want to do, like I knew he was into Legos and 3D printing. So sometimes I would even put that in there. Like if there's a workshop or a camp, like there's um, an artist here who's offering free sculpture classes. Like I wouldn't have even thought about that, but I think about my son makes these little sculptures all you know throughout the day. They're just sitting on the table. He might be interested in that and seeing someone who does that professionally to see, you know, what could I do with these little things that I make at home that are a craft, there's a person that's doing this at the museum professionally. So even, you know, your local museum, your local parks and recreation has activities, the library has activities, um, just starting with those free government, because they typically are free um, when they're government-based first, and then looking into like your military bases, your schools, your Girl Scout, Boy Scout. Um, our church even offers Trail Life and American Heritage Girls, which are like the Christian versions of Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts. So they also have activities. Um, so check your local churches too. Our One of our local churches is very big on youth and making sure that they have things to do over the summer. So they offer um, a mom's morning, morning out. So it's like a half day program. So even if you have littles and you're like, they don't have any interest yet, but I think there might be a day that summer where I'm going to break. <laughs> like having that backup um, it's also good to even for your younger children because I know it's easier to find stuff sometimes for the older ones and not so much for your little little ones. Wow, that was incredibly helpful because I know there are many parents that just don't know where to start. And by you sharing your search, your search, um, like the keywords and the different things to put in the search terms, I think parents feel a little bit more at ease when they have kind of a frame of reference to go off of. I know for me, we're in, Miriam and I are both in the Maryland area, and you mentioned um, recreation centers are, um, you know, your local recs 
centers. And that's really where a lot of places have cheap or low cost, sometimes free activities in our area. And so, you know, depending on where you live, you may need to, um, you know, kind of peruse what the schools are telling people, ask a friend or something like that, because the information is out there. It just may be called something a little bit different in your area. Mm -hmm. I agree. And also the schools typically have some kind of camp. Also, like I know every city offers a parent magazine. I snatch those up every time I am somewhere, like every month, because people that are advertising in those as well, um, that may be offering camps or activities in those uh, free magazines. So check for your city's parent magazine as well. So you, you talked a lot about um, the different summer camps and the different opportunities that some of your kids have had. Are there any um, educational activities that you still give them that are kind of school related? Like sometimes in the summer, we hear of the word summer slide, which can happen in math where you know, you're not necessarily getting that consistent reinforcement. Do you give some schoolwork during the summer to kind of prevent that summer slide? Oh yeah, so we're still gonna do something academic every day, like even on Saturdays and Sundays, um, because we have so many programs that I've signed up for online. I am, I think I'm pretty good at finding the balance between it not being just, we have our workbooks and we're sitting at the table kind of situation. It's like, grab your tablet, I need you to do 30 minutes of your Japanese lesson, or I need you to do 30 minutes of Mobimax, or even if it's a video or something where they're learning, or even if we, you know, we're all together in the living room and we're watching YouTube. At some point in the day, we have to be doing something academic, but it just looks different over the summer. So find those different ways to do that. If we're in a car together, um, our car still has a CD player. So if I have something that, you know, we can play or, um, you know, I could connect from my phone and hook it up to the car, we're listening to a story and I might ask questions. Or I, I know there have been times like we stopped at the store, I've gotten treats and then we're on our way to somewhere. And I'm like, what's, you know, what's four plus seven? They get it right. You know, we're just making fun games in the car. So there are so many different ways to still incorporate learning and just think about like ditch the desk during the summer. If you can and get outside and do a lot of those things either at the park or in your backyard or just make your location somewhere where it doesn't feel like this is the same thing we've been doing every day this <laughs> school year, but you're still gonna learn something <laughs> over the summer. So yeah, um, summer bridge activity workbooks are really good too. If we do have to do some workbooks, they're pretty good um, transition books to help prevent that summer slide. But I find like online for purposes of me just getting a break too, um, online activities are better, especially if they're the ones that kind of um, grade themselves. So I can just go in and make sure it's done and check the score and see if you need to do it again or if we can move on. <laughs> um, kind of helps free the parent up for a little bit of a break over the summer as well. Absolutely. I know that- Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you mentioned ditch the desk, and I thought that was so cute. No. <laughs> you know, it gives them a different, um, a different viewpoint of learning. And it seems like you've done a really good job of finding that in-between zone where we're stimulating our minds academically while we're still you know, having a good time and being creative and and just enjoying the, the season and the weather and all the things that come with it. But you also mentioned earlier um, interest-based learning. So is that more so how you pick your camps or, or how you try to pick the camps or um, summer activities? Or is it that you kind of let that lead for the majority of the academic activities that happen in the summer? I think that's just how I lead in general. Because um, I figured if I'm going to homeschool, at least we can focus on the aspects of the curriculum that they wouldn't have normally gotten an opportunity to do in school. 
So I think uh, naturally I try to look for those activities, but I know specifically over the summer, um, there's this intentional time that's carved out for specifically interest-based learning. And so if I can find, or if I know in my mind, we didn't have enough time to, like my daughter's interested in baking and crafting and jewelry making. We may not have had as much time to do that this school year, but if I could find some way for her to do that over the summer, or even like uh, last year, Michael's typically around this time of year, which means I need to go back soon. Um, they have a lot of summer crafts that were like literally 10 cents, a quarter, a dollar. And I was trying to tell like everybody I know, go check your Michael's clearance section because there were so many um, hands-on crafts and projects that were really, really cheap because they go on clearance for some reason at the beginning of the summer. Um, we just grabbed and loaded up on those things. And so each day, even if I wasn't able to find something specific, like I haven't really been able to find jewelry making camps and things here, but there's like Girl Scouts includes baking as a part of theirs. But if I know that there's a specific skill that they're trying to get, um, I may be able to do something about it at home by finding, you know, just those cheap resources to be able to make it feel camp-like and make it happen. Um, but for the most part, I do do try to listen to what I've heard them mention a lot throughout the year or just listen to their conversations to each other about what they might be interested in. And then I search from there. You just brought up Michaels, and I want to take a second to say that Michaels in many different areas offer classes for families over the summer. And so if you, um, I know during the pandemic, they offered, we're still in it, but, but they offered <laughs> virtual classes. So um, if they're not doing it in person, they may have virtual classes and the virtual classes were free. I believe the um, in-person classes were free too. I I'm actually sure the in-person classes were free. And so um, that's another opportunity. So there's another store that's very similar to Michael's. Um, um, Joanne's. So it's not Joanne's. I think it begins with an A. Does anybody... Oh, I know what you mean. Because I used to live in Maryland. Mm -mm. Is that at home? Is it no. Ace? I don't know if it's Ace. But that's anyway, there's thing. another one. <laughs> there's another store that's like, um, it's, and I'm not AC talking Moore. about- AC Moore. AC Moore. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. AC oh, Moore yeah. also offers classes as well. Well, at least they did prior to the pandemic. Um, so I haven't checked because my kids are a little bit older and they don't want to do it so much. But before they were, um, before the pandemic, they did take classes. They took classes at AC Moore and Michaels. When um, when I would go visit my family in North Carolina, they had an AC Moore. We don't have one here. So I would take them when we were um, visiting family. So that's something that you can do and places you can look for in your area to see if there's something being offered. And I know that sometimes year round, um, Home Depot also has activities. Yeah, so if Home you have Depot, a little maker, oh. <laughs> yeah. Those yeah. are some of the so, places. Well, since we've jumped right into what I was thinking of asking, do you have any other um, favorite places to, since we're just speaking of them, you know, you said AC Moore and um, Michaels, and we just brought up Lowe's and Home Depot. Do you have any other um, suggestions on low cost or free programs that you've come across or even where to get various materials for you know low cost fun at home other than you know your typical crayons and markers and finger paint <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i live in the thrift stores because there are so many good resources that are there um even if there are books and i like to order a lot of the like classical i call them classical but they're not but like those timeless activities crocheting knitting, stuff that people just don't really know how to do anymore, but I want my my kids to at least know how to do, like, do you know how to sew? Do you know how to use a hammer, how to use tools? So I've purchased a lot of, um, I think it's more so just activity books for kids. And I go through there and I look for what are those non-traditional activities? Cause that's, I'm just finding that I'm a very non-traditional kind of person. And my kids are developing interest a lot with technology and coding 
And I think it's just like a natural tendency to want to do that. But I want to make sure that in their interest in development in those areas, that they also have a good balance with like home economic skills, with cooking, baking, sewing, building, those basic things. If I ask my son to come help me and I say, go get the screwdriver or go get a wrench or get a this, does he even know which tool to pick up? Like, you know, and does he know what the uses of those tools are? So there are so many ways to me um, that I try to just make sure that they're learning. And I'm thinking about what are all the things that are happening within our day to day as adults and how do we learn those things? And sometimes we're learning stuff, you know, as we're going as adults and I want to make sure that they grasp. So um, thrift stores, I always end up looking at some of those books that people throw away and think don't apply anymore because those basic life skills um, really do apply. And I always search the clearance uh, sections of stores. Um, you're like TJ Maxx and Ross and Marshalls. I live in there too, because they have a lot of great uh, clearance items, even toys for kids. We've gotten a lot of things. Typically there's like one or two of whatever the toy is left. So there's not anything I can, you know, purchase multiples of, but you can pretty much get a lot of fun things um, in there. And I love Dollar Tree. Dollar Tree, uh, go on YouTube and look for like Dollar Tree crafts, Dollar Tree activities and compile a list. And I just go in there and we shop the craft section and, you know, stock up on paint, paint brushes. You know, Dollar Tree has expanded a lot over the years and there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, typically not always year round, especially in the teacher section. I find like, you know, the beginning of the years, things that are there are not the same things that are there around this time of year. So if you can grab it when you see it, um, you know, stock up, but there's a lot of puzzle books, um, bubbles, all kinds of things that they can entertain themselves outside chalk. Um, we've just found a lot of, of good finds. And if you're into like lap booking or notebooking, that's a really great place to just get some file folders and construction paper. And as you all are learning things, let your kids build their own books or, or scrapbooks or portfolios of what you all are learning. Um, everything doesn't have to be pre-made. Sometimes you might be talking about a specific topic and, you know, it's something still hands-on and fun that they can do. So lap booking is something we just gotten, gotten into um, over the past year, but it's pretty fun for kids of all ages to be able to participate in together. I love what you just brought up about participating in activities together, because I think the summer is a great time for nurturing where you you can kind of let your kids teach you something new. And I think of like my daughter, she started liking to make paper. To me, it just seemed like an odd thing, but she had been watching YouTube videos about making paper and pressing the dye and dyeing stuff. And so now I'm able to kind of watch her, her do it and allow her to kind of show me the ropes. And I think for many families, it builds stronger bonds when we allow our children to teach us something and it could be anything. So I think that just, um, you know, what you talked about giving your kids an opportunity to do stuff, you know, with each other and not just um, you telling your kid, this is what you do, but even just, you know, laying out all of the things that you bought in the clearance section, you know, the different craft items and letting them come up with something because we can't forget how important that imagination is for kids. It's something that we get away from as adults sometimes, but it yeah. really is a beautiful yeah. thing. You'd be surprised how much they don't know. Because there were times, like, I remember one time, um, not this last baby, but my baby before, there were some days I was just really, really exhausted from not getting enough sleep. So I'm outside, but I didn't really want to do anything, like getting up and running and playing. I was trying to nurse the baby. I'm sweating. It's like a lot of stuff going on all at once. And I'm still trying to be a good mom. So I was like, why don't you guys just play red light, green light? And they were like, Red light, green light. Like, how do you play that? And I'm like, oh my God. Like, you know, that's all the times for me when I get excited because it's like they don't know it because they've never been taught. You know, right. I play Mother May I. Like, there's so much stuff that if you really think about knowing how to do those simple, basic games, they just don't get a chance to do um, or, or learn until somebody teaches them. And our culture sometimes, especially that of 
schooling is so organized that they don't really get to do those fun things anymore. I know like, you know, yeah. time killers at school was always like heads up, seven up, but those traditional fun games and songs, nursery rhymes, like that's all the stuff that is important to me to make sure that we, that it, I get to pass down to my kids. Cause that was a huge part of my childhood was just a lot of games, a lot of crafts. My mom was an educator. She always came home in the evening and did crafts and games and fun till it was time to go to bed. So for me, those are the things that I remember as a part of my childhood that I want to pass down to my kids. So I'm always like, do you know how to do this? And they're like, if they tell me they know how to do it or don't know how to do it, it's typically, you know, a, a, a time where I get really animated and really excited and make a big deal about it. And then they then make a big deal about it. <laughs> and it's something where I'm like, whew, I still got to sit on the steps <laughs> and, you know, relax. But they had a good time running back and forth, you know, trying to, mother, may I take six giant steps, you know, or coming up with all the quirky little ways that they try to get over to mother. So it's a lot of fun and don't negate all of those those activities because they really are the chance for them to use their imagination and fun. I know they went outside one time. Everybody was like, can I bring my tablet? And I'm like, no, you can't bring your tablet what? outside. Like that is the point of outside. I'm like, you want to go get some sticks and some dirt and make them? Like I would just make up so many activities. I was the only child. So I made up a lot of activities um, outside. I would take the chalk and like, make a store, ride my bike to each little location I made in the yard. But it was just this time to get really creative. And like you said, we we lose that after a while because when do we get to do that, really? You don't get to do it at work. You don't get to, unless you have a, a extremely creative job. But for the most part, it gets stifled. So a huge part of homeschooling for any parent, I, I love to always mention is you get this chance to restore that imagination and creativity in your child and nurture that. and summer is a beautiful time to get outside and do that and get away from the screens if you can and just use the imagination and see what becomes of that we also love gardening so gardening is another cheap free activity seeds are 25 cents a pack at dollar tree they even have soil and gloves and shovels like everything you need to get outside and and have fun and you learn a lot from gardening they can grow their own vegetables come inside cook you know take the, the little tomatoes you made and you know make something with it but it's, it's so many opportunities to um, get outside and enjoy the outdoors if you can and let them explore learning a new skill too. I love what you said about teaching them some of these games because I, I've i had the same experience where you're like, why don't y'all just play this game? And they're like, what's that? <laughs> Real? Okay, fine. Let's get into that. And then it's funny to me because my oldest son likes to always ask because they really do enjoy Roblox. What was your favorite Roblox game? And I'm <laughs> like, um, when I was your age, the internet only existed in windowless buildings for computer technology people, and it barely existed for them. <laughs> so we didn't have that. Oh, right. Did you like to play this game on your tablet? I was like, um, I didn't get a cell phone until I graduated high school. Um, yep. What do you mean? We were playing regular games, like you said, Seven Up, Mother May I, River on the Brink, these normal jump ropes and skip it. Let's go find mm-hmm. some of that and enjoy ourselves. And you're so right this really is the perfect time to, you know, explore some of the things that we may not have been able to during the more rigorous academic time. It's a perfect time to branch out and try some new things, learn some new things, you know, build a little playhouse outside with wood mm-hmm. prices being what they are right now. I don't know if that's really going to happen. <laughs> But it's a a great idea. There's loads and loads of life learning that, you know, that are are kind of entwined in a lot of the games we used to play. It really is. So I know we don't have a whole lot of time left. And before we go, I want you to kind of tell us um, if there is 
a way for families to really just embrace their homeschool if they have multiple children. Because I know that, um, you know, having different ages in a homeschool isn't always easy. Even, you know, it can, you know, you, you mentioned that you were an educator, but just because you were an educator doesn't mean that when you're home with your own kids, you're able to transfer that experience. So can you, um, you know, as we wrap up, can you share any words of wisdom to families who are larger families who are thinking, this is something I'd love to try, but how do I even get started and make it work because I have so many kids. Think about how you can. Okay, so here's how I do it mentally is I think about what the task is and the most rigorous part of that task I assign to the older kids and the simple part of those tasks assigned to the younger ones. So let's say we have like right now my kids are interested in learning how to cook. Yay! I would love for you guys to love how to cook. <laughs> so the oldest <laughs> actually gets to like turn the stove on, but some of the little ones can get the pot from the cabinet. Um, and they can help. The ones who are learning to read, you can help to read the recipe, you know, or get something from the pantry. But basically the little ones are you the carrier. Bring that from here, sit it here. Bring that here, sit it here. But as far as like who's actually on the stove cooking, it's the older kids. Or you may get an opportunity mm -hmm. to stir. Or with the little ones, I know you like the colors. So maybe you have a, a coloring sheet that shows spoons and forks. And we're just building your vocabulary out to even know what a spoon and a fork is right now. Like, so I'm thinking of a ways where we can all be in a space together and we're all learning together, but everybody's doing something that's developmentally appropriate for their age group. So even with multiple um, kids, and even there, there are some times where I can't involve the little kids. And it's just like, hey, get those Legos put baby inside the pack and play and I need him to be there while we work on this because there's too much going on with this activity for me to involve a little person at the time. So just having mm. like simple um, toys or little baskets available if you have younger children um, who may not be able to participate in everything kind of makes things easier and those tend to be like the dolls, the race cars, Legos, something where they can entertain themselves in in their own little playpen or play pit um, is where I put my younger children. But thinking of a way to think about, you know, your child, what grade they're in, what are they needing to learn at that age group? Like um, my son, or I know my son needs to work on his multiplication skills. That should be, have been developed already, but it's still something that I'm finding, you know, needs a lot of repetition. So I'm looking at a recipe, you know, we have a lot of people in our house. That's cool for that family, but we need to like 10X that recipe. So tell me now how many cups of sugar we need or how many, you know, um, bags of broccoli will we need for us for the number of servings that we need for this particular recipe. So I'm just thinking of areas where they might struggle or we could use some extra reinforcement and think about that for each of your kids and just, just one skill. It doesn't have to be everything all at once. You need more practice reading? Okay, I need you to go read on the pantry. Which one of those things says almond flour? Which one of them says coconut milk? Like giving just a lot of little opportunities for them to get that reiteration and practice um, where everybody gets to be involved together. And I think naturally the tendency of your older kids will be to help guide the younger ones, even if they do it in a, in a little bossy own way. Uh, <laughs> they'll want to try to help as best as they can. Um, you know, to try to get them up to their level. And those little ones, they're trying to overperform to get to the level where the big siblings are anyway. So just give them an opportunity and sometimes step back and see, you know, let your, your children develop those leadership skills themselves. It's that communication. It's that conflict resolution. I'm like, they gonna hash it out. They got to figure out how to talk to people, <laughs> you know, how to solve problems. Sometimes it's okay to just step back too and let them resolve a lot of things on their own. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yes. I don't intervene until I hear somebody crying sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and we know when it's coming, it's like, it yeah. you got to work it out. Let's come yeah. to a decision. I think it's very beautiful how you have uh, um, found a way to integrate and weave all of these various elements together in your family, according to everyone's interests and likes, you know, there's a lot of personalities in the house and 
you seem to be managing it very well. So I commend you. I, I recognize you. I see you. And I thank you for raising a generation that will help to influence our world positively because parents who care and are really um, focused on giving their children the tools that they need to succeed. It's yes, I commend you. I want to say thank you. Thank you. With that, as we're wrapping up, I would love for you to share with us if you have any um, social media outlets that you have that you show things perhaps about your uh, uh, homeschool educational journey or anything of that nature? No, I'm shifting more into this summer sharing more of that journey um, on the blog, but you can find me um, at reginacoley.com and I'm everywhere on social media as the motivator. It's M-O-T-M-O-V-I-T-H-E-R. So motivate her on social media blogs. And I do a lot of youth development programs. So if you're in Georgia or in Alabama, um, if you visit the site, you can check out some of the work that we're doing. And we have a camp for girls leadership camp uh, this summer as well for teens. So check that out. Awesome. We will add all of those links to our show notes. We just thank you for your time. I think it's been very insightful to see how other families do it. And I know that many of us who listen feel so much more motivated to do some fun activities with our children, just like the ones you mentioned. So thanks so much for sharing your experience and how you're helping your children through this whole homeschooling um, experience. And so I thank you for being a guest. I would love to have you on in the future because I, I would love to talk to you about, you know, raising confident children. And I think, you know, making sure they each have their own individual personalities. And so I know that there Mm -hmm. is a future conversation in the works. So I wish you the best, um, your summer. I hope it goes well for you and your children. And we just thank you for your time. So thanks for spending time at the Cleverly Changing Podcast. Thank you for having me. Did you know that we sell merchandise to keep our podcast going? Order a hoodie, t-shirt, mugs, and more today. Visit cleverlychanging.com and click on the shop tab to place your order.